0: Welcome to Consciously Cannabis. I'm Carly, host of Consciously Clueless, the podcast bringing you this series. Together with guests, I'll be exploring cannabis through lenses of sustainability, mindfulness, and plant-based living. Bonus content from Consciously Cannabis will be available at patreon.com/consciouslycarly. Take a hit or don't, all are welcome here, and let's get lit. So, Last time in part one for listeners, we dove into sustainability and circular economies and regenerative manufacturing and so many amazing things. This time we're going to switch gears a little bit and not that they're not all related, but talk solely about cannabis. So I guess you started with saying, I love cannabis. Where does that come from?
1: Let's see, so I where does it come from? I guess I watched people around me growing up deal with their stress and anxiety with a lot of different coping mechanisms. Hmm. And I think that for that reason, I gravitated toward alternative medicines. I was one of those kids who was prescribed a million medications by the time they were eight years old. But I personally refused to do that because I just had a different philosophy about life and mental health and even at a really young age. And so then by the time I was 15, I was starting to experiment with cannabis hit for stress relief and for stress release, digestive aid and sleep aid. I met some friends who were from out of the country traveling and we were all at the same festival. And that's when I had my first experience with cannabis was at a festival when I was 15. And I felt this is something that my body responds really well to. Mm -hmm. And and so that was the whole beginning of my journey was at this time and age and just really opened the door. Once I realized that cannabis was helping me because it's so demonized and it's taboo, I realized that it pushed me to explore other taboos. Because I was okay. If this is Satan, if cannabis is Satan, or whatever you want to say, according yeah. to your spiritual background or whatever, or if it's codependency, or if it's whatever gateway like, drug, yeah. What the mainstream was offering me. I was to me that's codependency and that's dangerous. And so I think that there was just this opening. Yeah, gateway drug is such a thing. My sister used to say to me, and. And I totally disagree with that. So I started exploring just everything after it started. Cannabis was the main reason that I started exploring alternative medicines, taboos, and just really questioning fundamentally, questioning whenever someone told me this is good and this is bad. Cannabis opened the door for me to be, like, I think I'll make that decision for myself. And I'm not going to just be afraid of something. Without more research. And I'm also not going to, I'm not going to say cannabis is for everyone.
0: Right, right. That's totally. another
1: huge thing. I don't drink any alcohol and I don't smoke any tobacco, but right. people swear that they need alcohol and tobacco in their lives, whether it's just a small amount or a daily user. And where cannabis took me in the beginning was really definitely expanding my ability to relate to the world and question reality and make decisions for myself and not I noticed that the more that I was comfortable and at peace Mm. and this is just me in my home environment the more I was comfortable and at peace the more upset that the people around me became and the more control they wanted to have over what I was doing, because again, I was I was fairly young, I was 15. But at the same time, historically, I'm not that young. If you look at human history, 15 mm. is definitely a coming of age time. And just, yeah, I just noticed that the more that I was comfortable and happy and authentic in what I was doing and felt peaceful, really peaceful, really at ease with the universe and grateful, I believe cannabis, and I believe all plants are really holy gift for medicinal and for health and just substance, And so I think that cannabis was a way for me to, yeah, just come into my identity as a woman.
0: <laughs> I'm curious because when I was 15, I wasn't smoking weed yet. And I was definitely being judgmental of people who were, I've talked about that before, but even I think the people that I knew of who were smoking weed, maybe they weren't cognizant of it, but they definitely weren't talking about it being for medicinal purposes. It was at parties or that kind of thing, were there people around you having that conversation? Oh, this is great for digestive aid or anything. Cause I didn't hear about things like that until much later.
1: Yeah. People around me, not really. People around me were probably the average teenager who's, this is a recreational experience, but I had such h- high anxiety problems. That's why I was put into psychiatric care when I was really young. Cause I had all this energy and I don't prescribe, I don't su- subscribe to psychiatric labels really personally, but they put a bunch of ideas on me of what they thought that my personality was. And so I just knew that I was unhappy in my home life and unhappy in my school and work. And so I just was looking for something to help with my anxiety. And yeah, I can honestly say that's the first thing I was thinking when I smoked cannabis for the first time I was literally thinking to myself man I really hope this helps with my anxiety and because it feels because the people I was with felt so calm and so they were on vacation from Tel Aviv and so they were really hippie Israeli people and mm-hmm. they were um they were just so at ease and they felt so comfortable and they felt so foreign to the people that were around me who were really high anxiety people too and that, so everyone was managing their anxiety in my family with Xanax Z- and other kind, all these other kinds of prescription drugs, and that was normal, and that was what a h- person is supposed to do, and that's what a good human does. And so, yeah, so most people didn't necessarily have the experience of growing up in a family that was extremely mentally ill. Mine, and I just found that. So f- for me, right away, yeah, I was absolutely. <laughs> I think that's what made me different within amongst my fifteen-year-old friends and stuff. Was that I was very serious about it being right or. For my leggings, I I can't... When my anxiety gets really high, I, I can't eat anymore. That's why I say the digestive aid. So it's not just a stress relief, but if the stress gets too high, then I just can't eat anymore. I know there's a lot of other people who have that I was problem. Say, I,
0: yeah, I relate to you. If I'm depressed, I'll eat a lot. But if I'm really anxious... I won't eat for a couple of days.
1: Yeah, totally. And then I get fatigued because if I'm not eating, then I am sleeping because I can't I don't have energy and I'm just having anxious dreams and yeah, I I took the SAT high. I I got almost perfect score on my SAT and I and I so I'm just saying Damn. everyone has their own thing, their own coping mechanisms and their own medications. Right, of course. And some people take mulberry to lower dopamine levels or prevent Alzheimer's. That's just another plant.
0: Yeah, so you were having these experiences where you were thinking about things that people at 15 who have the privilege of feeling safety aren't thinking about. So it makes sense that you would think about weed differently too, right? Because you're already having to see the world differently.
1: Yeah,
0: totally. Thanks for sharing that. I'm I'm sorry that you had those experiences growing up. I think it's common. I think that's the the mark of this time
1: period. And I think that we're all coping with it. And I just have so many friends who, have been on these prescription medicines. And then once they start experimenting with plant medicines, whatever it is, whether it's peyote, ayahuasca, psilocybin, ganja, um, whatever, stevia is a substitute for sugar and sugar can act a drug in my body and I know in children's bodies. So once we start just experimenting with what the earth provides for free, I think that it definitely expands new horizons, and I've have yeah I have friends who gotten off antidepressants, gotten off antipsychotics, anti anxieties, and Ambien, and all those and Xanax, all those sleep aid medicines. I have so many friends who have been able to get off that stuff because they grew up in a household mine maybe where they just went, their parents were you're not behaving according to what society wants and needs, and so in order to become a high functioning member of society, you need to. Take these pills or whatever, and so ganja is not my cure all either. Right. I would say that, and I can abuse ganja just like anyone. And everything it really is about being finely in tune with your own body and not ignoring its cues. And I also consume cannabis differently now: I dab, so I vaporize concentrates, and I eat cannabis. And I don't really smoke. I'll do it on occasion, especially if I'm on my friend's farm where we grow cannabis, but. Other than that, I'm not really interested in smokable cannabis because it's just because I know I'm a lifelong user and I'm not a recreational user. I know that this is just the best route for my health.
0: I am curious, and if if you don't want to share, that is totally fine, but given it seems the strong reactions people in your life had to cannabis use growing up, I'm wondering now as an adult who uses cannabis medicinally... And you also have made this badass business surrounding sustainability, cannabis being one part of that. But is there any kind of change of heart for people that didn't get it before that are, oh, you're a functioning, contributing human of society? <laughs>
1: I'm a functioning stoner. Yeah, right. I think that there's definitely been a change of heart in some people, not everyone, because I think some people are just going to... And that's fine. Again, that's that's the reality. I, I've also... I also think that I can function sober, so I don't want to say that I'm totally dependent on it it's It's definitely a choice, and that I've taken years of my life to be sober, but I don't think I have to be is the point like I said I've tested myself in high in intellectual capacities and in high stress situations and I just do better with cannabis and that's just, that's cool. But no, so I think that honestly, when it comes to my family, we're not in communication. So that's the route that I took with my life. And that's, it's much bigger than the story of cannabis. It really has to do with mental illness and a lack of safety. But, but what I can say is I meet people every day who change their mind about it after they meet me or after they consume psilocybin or something like that, where they're really curious because whatever's whatever they've been doing isn't working. So I find that's when I that's when the most curiosity happens is people who have a routine and they have some kind of strategy and it's not working for them, then they're interested in what do you do? And also there's so many ways there's so many molecules in cannabis and terps in cannabis. And so you might not be someone who does well with THC, or you might not be someone who does well with certain strains of sativa, certain strains of indica, because the genetics are really vast. I've have almost never had any negative experiences with cannabis. And if I did, it was probably just because I was consuming a little bit too much in the wrong time, but that's not really the cannabis that I felt. I felt that was just my, again, my misjudgment of the situation. And I know that there's CBD and CBG, which is what my friends really focus on, which is, so there's a distinction between hemp and marijuana. And so hemp has very low ratios of THC generally. And so it has other presences, CBD and CBG higher. So my friends grow technically out of cannabis, they grow hemp and Mm -hmm. and then they create concentrates, smokable and also edible. But you can, there's people who are ordering from, from the farm who have brain tumors and stuff that are looking for solutions for massive health issues, much greater than mine. And I think that's where the most interesting science in cannabis is being done in terms of medicinal usage is the idea that this could be regenerative. This could be a regenerative medicine. This could be anti-aging medicine, and it could be also anti-cancer. And so all of that makes me really curious. And I know that there's still tons of research to be done. But I also believe that you have to place your faith where you feel comfortable when it comes to managing something, cancer or dementia or preventing Alzheimer. And I, again, I hang out with people. Personally, I grew up in a very medical household and very scientific background i mentioned last time we spoke my grandfather's a physicist my dad is a really traditional western doctor and so i grew up in a hospital from a young age i grew up in a in one of the country's most reputable hospitals and i watched how sick people lived and died every day that was just normal for me and when i would go around people who and i still feel this way when i Whenever I see someone who's really healthy or really at peace, I want to go and absorb what their practice is. Not because I necessarily will do the same thing, but just to understand what has brought you to all this peace. This is your story. This is so amazing. And for me, the people I gravitate toward the most who, who are in this really high state of joy and peace and protection of their Heart and their family and their body. I personally find those people are in, like psychedelic and spiritual communities that are the most tolerant and earth-based. I also believe that it there's cultural significance to these medicines that goes back thousands of years because we didn't always have these laboratory synthesized drugs to depend on, but we've always been human. We've always had mental health issues and crises and pain and anxiety and embodiment. That's what's really curious to me is what's the most sustainable? Again, if I can grow a medicinal plant in my backyard, cannabis that has all these usages and that also can go beyond medicinal and recreational into functional industrial uses, it's just an important genetic to preserve. And it's also... And it's also generally just great for the environments in which it grows outdoors. And yeah, just thinking about it from the perspective of the people that I gravitate toward the community and the cultures I gravitate toward tend to hold plant medicine as sacred. And I think that is where I'm going to remain because I feel that's where I'm gaining the most truth and peace and sense of connectivity across cultures and I think that's another important thing because when I think about how people degrade the environment if you don't believe even if you don't believe cannabis is sacred but if you believed pine trees were or mountains were or water or rivers were sacred I think that our relationship with the world would be so much different and yeah that's just that stream of thought is the people that I find comfort and peace with tend to believe in earth-based spirituality and practices and ceremony and the sacredness of being able to be on earth instead of seeing it as a punishment or mm. as something that we're here to merely survive or instead of being a grounds for warfare. I believe that yeah, from everything. I think it's funny because cannabis really brought me to sustainability because cannabis is the first plant that I actually loved. And then it made me love, start to want to know about what's going on with biology because this is so cool. so cool. and Yeah, I just, cannabis is such a cool plant that it makes me want to know about the whole water cycle and, and climate. Because at the, I, I was 15, at the, I was learning climate science. I probably learned about it when I was 14. So it was right at the same age when I was okay if climate science is real and we're really poisoning our air and water with too much particulates of greenhouse gases then what else are we just what else are our assumptions just leading us our habits just leading us toward um and how much are we just accepting as being because it's abnormal that it's good and this is a huge so this is this leads me So to wrap up this part of the conversation, I was studying philosophy then in university later. And one of my favorite philosophers, Socrates, was famously asking teenagers in Athens, myself, he would be, is something good because the gods love it? Or do the gods love it because it's good? And I think this is the fundamental question that I feel I was handling with with anything, with cannabis and anything. Is this good because people love doing it and people are in the habit of doing it? Or are people in the habit of doing it because it's good? Because it could be either one at any time. And and I really am a deep believer that everyone is so uniquely individual. That's why I wouldn't come in and try and prescribe and prescribe on someone nonstop. Because to a certain level, yes, experts need to offer prescription and advice. But the ultimate and final expert on anything is ourselves. And we have to make those Health decisions at the end of the day for ourselves. Otherwise, we very well might be accepting more sickness into our lives and more stress. Because I think that's that's my basic assumption about what I was seeing from my friends who have been heavily medicated, and my parents and my sister. I feel that medication has. Sh- the goal is to be off of it not to be dependent on it and the same thing with cannabis if I can't get access to cannabis I don't want to have a meltdown about it so right. I have to be flexible because it's with everything I'm a survival person in general I really believe that I should be able to adapt to any circumstances that happen and that's what surviving means for bio- for for any animal um and so, yeah just there's the fine line between comfort and dependency and that's what everyone has to examine in themselves and I just encourage everyone listening to walk in the path that makes you feel more and more alive and more and more at peace because if there if that can happen together then I think we're all going on the right path even if we're using different
0: modalities. So you mentioned for you cannabis was a gateway to sustainability so I'm wondering though How do you see cannabis as helpful for making our world more sustainable in general? How can cannabis help in the future?
1: Yeah, totally. I think that there's so many ways. But one of the first ways is the fact that the cannabis plant is really good at removing heavy metals from soils. And why that's important is because heavy metals damage our body. And when they're in our soil, they're accessible to our groundwater and they're accessible to our food supply because we might be farming in that soil or the the soil might be considered unfarmable. First and foremost, just the remediation of the soil is -hmm. taking place where the plant will take the heavy metal up out of the soil and into its own body. And then we can use that cannabis, not for consumption, but for industrial purposes. And so we can move the heavy metal from one location into another, and then put it into wall insulation or something, so that we're not concerned that we're eating it or smoking it or anything like that.
0: So just and becoming, then becoming a product too. What you're saying, yeah, like manufacturing it, and then we're talking about hemp then, correct, or marijuana as well when we're talking about creating products.
1: You can use either one, but there's definitely going to be you have to. It's going to be region dependent. So right. whatever is going to grow well in your particular damaged soil in your region will determine what species of cannabis should be grown. Because if it's not being grown for consumption, then the it doesn't really matter whether it's marijuana or hemp. It just matters about the volume and how efficient it's going to be in that soil. I guess but, and
0: for creating products and manufacturing in terms of... Yeah,
1: like- generally for... <clears throat> For the purpose sorry of manufacturing hempcrete hemp clothing or, or fabric and any anything else under the sun i guess maybe food hemp seed that's going to be in the hemp in right. the hemp category just because it's unnecessary to have marijuana since it's it's just like different the plant is growing a different part of its focus so we're not going to be concentrating on getting the largest flowers from the best flowering hemp varieties. We're going to be focused on the largest stalks in right. that hemp variety so that the body of the plant is taking the toxins because we're not concerned with how bigger the the nugs going to be because <laughs> they're not going to be, they're not going to be consumed. Or for the seeds, it would be that. So for hemp seed, most people are looking for, are trying to breed so that, there's not too many seeds in their flower because then that's hard for consumers to get. It's, it's not what consumers want is to have a, a flower with seeds in it. And, but if you're a company that's growing hemp seed for cereal or culinary purposes, then you're going to have highly... You're going you're gonna, to um, breed your plants and select your plants based off of the most seeds that the flower can okay. produce and it's yeah it's amazing how that's real genetic engineering is and we've been doing that since the dawn of humanity and and plants genetic engineering is happening with humans or without it just because things select when things select and have a preference that create that is the engineering um at the most basic form and yeah that's one thing and so it's remediating soil and groundwater and then the next thing is the air because it's sequestering carbon into the in, it's not the necessarily the most carbon sequestering plant that ever existed but it is a highly sequ- carbon sequestering plant and and grown best outdoors for that reason So yeah when it comes to sustainability hemp is able to provide for a community food a source of food a source of fabric a source of building material, as well packaging material. There's hemp plastics now. But then not only that, so not only is it giving these for-profit resources to a community to sell or use, and if it's not for profit, then it cuts expenses because you're maybe you're building a house and you have hemp, so you're not going to go buy insulation because you're going to use your hemp as your house insulation, so you're going to save money. But it's going to remediate soil, air, and water, which is all we could want from... Really any system we set up in climate science and sustainability, that's the three, that's the trifecta of remediation and biodiversity is that we are going to have cleaner water for our community, cleaner air, which enhances, that prevents things, asthma and helps prevent allergies and also just pollution because I live in a city right now. So it's really, I think about pollution every day. I think that living in a city versus a rural area is contributes. It's smoking. It takes six years off of your life or something because it's smoking a cigarette a day or something like that. Even if you don't smoke but you live in a city, it doesn't matter. You're smoking because yeah. you're smoking with the city's exhaling. Mm-hmm. So so there's all these considerations. And, and yeah, because it, it hits on that trifecta, and it was the first thing I farmed, I think that – a lot the history of the last one hundred years and one hundred thirty years in the US is a history of industrialization to the point of toxicity. And there's all these initiatives in the farming industry to make us dependent on fossil fuel heavy machinery. And because the machinery is all new and fancy and being developed. And so all the old ways of farming and the ability to farm what you wanted in your for your family was being attacked by the industrial agriculture industry, essentially. And there's a lot of people, the Rodales, who have written about the history of organic farming in the U.S. who have been advocating for organic farming since the 1930s. And when I met my first friends who were in permaculture and organic farming, it was through cannabis again. So it was, I think anyone... I think that kind of happens in biology often is everyone has a different story about what was that animal or that plant or that fungi right. that brought them into the world of biology because, and it, it just so happens to be cannabis for me, but it could have been, and it could have been coral reefs or it could have been ayahuasca or it could have been a culinary mushroom, oyster mushrooms or something that but once that kind of curiosity and obsession hits, then you start to see all the patterns because biology really is... And life is really a study of patterns. Now that I know that I love this plant, who else loves this plant? And that was that was the permaculture community that I wasn't that I met after university. I started studying permaculture in university, but I didn't see it fully in practice on a demonstration site until I was touring farms across the U.S. And some of them were cannabis farms that were just like Sean's farm right now. My friend Sean at CBG Gurus, who I consult with. His farm is the perfect example of what I, my first farm was very similar. The only difference is that Thon is on a piece of property that had an established house that was built probably in the 80s or something or 60s, but my other friends that they were had were building earthen domes and yurts and stuff. So, but otherwise in terms of the plants, it was the same where they had outdoor crop growing, cannabis crop growing, and they had it growing alongside Food crop. And that just made so much sense to me and still does. And I feel it's a really humble lifestyle. It's easy to, if you don't have any experience with people who are thoroughly off the grid and self sustaining, it can seem really kind of odd and unnecessary, maybe fringe. But being immersed in that for the last decade, I would say that that's just my happy place. And that's just where I find. If there's an American dream, that would be it for me, would be more freedom to to just coexist with livestock and plants in a way that is helping heal air and soil. And it makes it always flusters me when people want to people want to make their human activity independent of water, air, and soil. And that flusters me because I'm just if we can't agree on the importance of those three things on this planet, and that we share those three things no matter where we are, no matter what spiritual, political background we have. Then, what I wonder, what can we agree on? Because it seems such a fundamental assumption and such a fundamental truth that okay, you, don't you think clean water is good for you and everyone? If it's good for you and it's good for me and it's good for everyone. Why isn't it the center of our activity? Because there's we live in a world where there is just so much con- debate and war and
0: intolerance. Thank you so much for that. I think it was such a beautiful weaving together of sustainability in cannabis. Awesome. Yeah. Did you have other things that you wanted to share with listeners about the importance of cannabis or what that means to you or anything that you haven't get, been given space to do so before we go to our patreon only little after show i
1: just want to encourage everyone in these times that maybe you're a listener and you're curious about cannabis or maybe you're a listener and you're already consuming cannabis i just want to say that your inner peace and your joy and your vitality are the most important things and even if people around you don't understand Cannabis and its purposes and its validity that we don't have to internalize that as us being wrong or damaged or dependent because everyone's dependent on something. I say this all the time because people will be like, I'm sober, and I'm, yeah, but you're dependent on water and food. We are all dependent on something, just continue to seek community and peace, joy, vitality. And I think that the answers will come, but like, yeah just the authenticity is, has to, I think living the life that reflects who you really are and how you really feel will be the most rewarding.
0: Mm. I love that. Yes, it's a good reminder because it's one of those things that when you hear that, when you're listening to that, you're, of course, I should live authentically and I should be doing that. And then you're tomorrow, you're back in late stage capitalism and you've forgotten that thought was lovely. And so just to keep coming back to that and keep listening to that and reminding yourself of what's important is there's never enough reminders.
1: Yeah. Life is sacred and you are life.
0: (laughs) Yes. Everyone listening. Soak that in, go back 10 seconds, listen to it again. This is so, so, real. And I know sometimes, Things that, and I know that you're not coming from this perspective, but I know sometimes people feel, oh, that's woo, or I feel silly talking about being connected to everything. But once you get rid of that bullshit and don't care about that anymore, and you actually see that, it doesn't make you a less funny person or someone who doesn't do X, Y, Z or whatever. So I just want to remind people that maybe
1: something feels impossible or you're being told it's impossible, but ultimately... Humans are amazing, and that's up to you. It might feel impossible, but let's embrace the impossible, is my thinking. Especially because that's what, if we didn't believe that there was a future for humans on Earth, and that we couldn't correct our wrongs and find more peace and tolerance and joy together, then the show would be over. Right. And we'd be able to just continue to make things worse. and take no responsibility for the future and for our actions and I just can't I'm not compatible with that reality because I believe that life is meaningful and so if life is meaningful and life is sacred and it's really simple that then my choices have meaning And my choices matter, not in a scary way, not in a way where, oh no, every decision I make, I could get lightning struck by God. Because I don't think that spirit and cosmos wants us to be afraid of that. I don't think that's healthy functioning animal behavior. Right. So instead I think of it more as it's our honor to be here. So let's honor this unfolding.
0: Thank you. Thank you for that. Thanks for listening to an episode of Consciously Cannabis. If you're not ready for this episode to be over, Don't worry. Every Consciously Cannabis episode has bonus content. Sometimes guests and I will smoke together. Maybe you'll see some of my friends and I toke up. Who knows? Go to patreon.com slash consciouslycarly and get all the bonus content. And thank you so much for listening to this new series. If you enjoyed it, remember to hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, share it with a friend, tell someone you know, anything helps. And I so appreciate it. See you next time.